Hello and welcome to the Olivier Awards podcast, the official podcast of the Olivier Awards with MasterCard. Due to recent government advice, the Olivier Awards has sadly been cancelled. The Society of London Theatre are currently trying to find a way to properly honour and announce this year's winners. But we still wanted to honour the nominees. So here is myself, Alice Arnold, and Julian Bird talking about those nominated in the plays and opera categories. So I'm joined once again by Julian Bird, the Chief Executive of the Society of London Theatre and the producer of the Olivier Awards. It's so lovely to be here again. Thank you for coming. We're going to talk this in this podcast uh, about um, plays and about opera. Let's start with um, this category. It's called Best Entertainment or Comedy Play. Now, this is extraordinary this year, actually, because I couldn't pick a winner from this. We've got Amelia at the Vaudeville, a flea bag, Magic Goes Wrong, which is part of the Goes Wrong category of pieces yep. where they lots of things go wrong. The third of those shows. And that's right. the Upstart Crow, which is the Shakespeare, uh, David Mitchell Absolutely. thing. That you might know from television, yeah. Yes. That's now on stage. Now on stage. No, I mean, as you say, four extraordinary. Uh, productions, all of which are unique in their own way. Amelia, this extraordinary story uh, about uh, uh, women, basically, uh, with an entirely female creative team. We should remember on that. Mm-hmm. Right down, and great to see like the sound designer on that's a woman, and she's been nominated. Fantastic, you know. It's just great mm. to see a show like that uh, really coming through strongly. Fleabag, of course, this is the original little short play mm-hmm. that Phoebe Rollerbridge wrote. I remember seeing it in Edinburgh oh my goodness, like eight years ago or something. It's that production with Phoebe herself. And uh, you couldn't get a ticket for love or money. money. Fantastic. Magic Goes Wrong, as you said, the third of those Goes Wrong trilogy from the the Mischief Guys. Uh, It's really funny if you haven't seen it, you know. They worked with Penn and Teller, you know, those Mm -hmm. two great um, illusionists from America who were on in Vegas all the time. Uh, They worked with them on it all. And one, there's some great magic in it. I mean, really, truly clever stuff. But, you know, you can only imagine when it all goes wrong. It's Mm -hmm. great, you know. And then, as you say, David Mitchell, you know, and this show is a huge, huge hit at the Gilgood Theatre at the moment. So, but I mean, you know, how do you choose from those four? And that's gone, the the, um, Upstart Crow's gone from television to theatre, which is kind of interesting because you think it it would go the other way around. Yeah, sometimes, but but it's mm. interesting, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Then we've got the Best Play Revival. Now, this is a heavily, heavily is perhaps not the right word. There are some heavy pieces in here. But brilliant, brilliant pieces of theatre. Uh, Serrano de Bergerac from the Playhouse, Death of a Salesman, um, which came from the Young Vic and then was then at the Piccadilly where I saw it. And actually I talked to um, Wendell Pierce on the play itself and, and, and the fact that in this production, the central family in it is black. It's, uh, it's an interpretation, uh, first of all, generated from the Miller estate that they wanted to see the interpretation done. Uh, Rebecca Miller uh, initiated uh, the interpretation. And then also you realize that it works in concert with all the themes and conflicts of the play. It works in concert with it and not in competition with it. So it illuminates uh, all of the... Um, all of those things that are so well known about the play, the the, the criticism of uh, the economic system, of the idea of the American dream, the denial of that dream to people um, for whatever particular reasons, it's just enhanced. It adds more fuel to the fire. 
Wendell Pierce talking about Death of a Salesman and the, and the production that's nominated for Best Play Revival. Then we also had Present Laughter at the Old Vic and uh, Rosmus Home at the Duke of York's Theatre where I met uh, Giles Torreira who talked about the play and a bit about Ibsen. You know, the audience, Ibsen, as a great writer, says, OK, this is the situation that these characters are in and I'm not going to say that you should you the audience or you the listener you the observer should be moved in that direction or that direction I'm going to let you choose which way you'd like to go so what's really interesting is hearing the conversations or getting wind of the conversations that I had during the interval and after the show from the audience about what one as you just say the parallels to now but also what they would do and oh but I agree with that person oh but I agree with her as well but then also she's manipulating him and that's that's really juicy, I think, to let the audience really be involved in it, um, in terms of how they would conduct themselves in in a similar situation, which of course we are. That was Giles Torreira talking about the production of Rosmus Home uh, at the Duke of York's Theatre. So pick me a winner, Julian. Do you know this is the category above all that I would say I I, I don't know how you choose. Mm-hmm. You know, Cyrano de Bergerac, James McAvoy. Brand new take on it by the director, Jamie Lloyd, who, you know, in, at other times we've talked about his extraordinary new take on Evita at, at the open air. Mm-hmm. In the same year, he found time to do this extraordinary take on Cyrano. It was a massive hit. You know, great to see so many young people there because it was such a different take on it. Uh, and that production's just been announced to go to the Brooklyn Academy of Music for a short time in New York with James in it. Fantastic's that. Um, you know, brilliant, brilliant production. Death of a Salesman. So much talked about, rightly so, with Wendell and Sharon D. Clark, of course, yeah. um, you know, who's won uh, lots of Olivier's for uh, in musical theatre and lots of awards around the world. Uh, but great to see her in a real powerhouse, um, you know, straight role, I guess. Um, Present Laughter with, you know, Andrew Scott, directed by Matthew Warchus. Mm. You know, Present Laughter, we've probably all seen quite a few times in, you know, at the theatre in different guises. And this was a completely really extraordinary comic take on it i mean i've no i very rarely laugh as much as i did at that in the theater i mean really really mm-hmm. brilliant uh, and rosmus home you know uh, an amazing take on a you know ibsen classic which you know sometimes ibsen can be a little bit kind of drab well, and dreary and you know kind of like feels like you're plodding through it this didn't feel like that at all you know i have to admit i you know i thought right we've got a long evening of ibsen ahead of us but it was so relevant mm. it was so it was like it had been written exactly. 5 years ago yeah. it you know it's it's take on the role of women and and an amazing event that happened in it which we'll yeah, talk we, about later but um, no, i mean you know it it, it, I, it it's you know these four productions, and you know there were many more that could have been nominated as well. Mm. You know this this is incredibly hard to choose one of these. Each would be worthy winners, I think. And then we get, uh, I suppose, a category of, of, of probably shows that most people won't maybe have gone gone to see, which is the family shows, and yeah. if, unless they've got children. And it's nice that that they get a they get a category of their own. The, the, and of course, you know, this is the first year of the best family show being separated out on its own. It's always been combined with another category in the past. This is the first Olivier's when it sits on its own uh, for extraordinary productions. And um, I guess you know it, it's interesting. We uh, recruited a new panel to judge this family show this year. Uh, and the panel we recruited had to be uh, generations. So it was either a mother and a child, uh, sorry, parent or child, grandparent and grandchild, or, you know... Um, 
guardian and child or whatever. So, uh, and to do the panel, that group came together on a Saturday morning. We normally have the panels, obviously, in the evening, sometimes with a glass of wine, so everyone kind of relaxes. <laughs> and of course, we did it with, you know, juice and cake instead on a Saturday morning. And, you know, we had uh, children on the panel with their with their other, you know, parent or grandparent, ranging from the age of three to the age of 11. And it was the most sensational kind of 90 minutes we all had together with them talking about what they liked and what yeah. they didn't like. And oh, that's I can great, assure but... you, even the three-year-old was very clear on that. <laughs> in a really good way, though, you know. The three-year-old had all the programmes out in front of him oh, and he bless. was able to go, this is what I like. And, you know, and that was actually a grand, her grandmother with him. Three-year-old. And they'd talked at home. And, you know, he knew exactly which bits he liked and which he didn't and what he'd remembered and what he hadn't. And it was it was a fantastic morning, actually. And, well, you know, four brilliant productions are nominated out of it, you know. So uh, it's really exciting. And they'd be incredibly honest. I mean, you might as well Very ask honest. that because the point of these shows is that the children enjoy. I mean, obviously, you want the whole family to enjoy them. But if it's just the adults thinking children are going to enjoy them, that's very different from children actually enjoying yeah. them. So it's great that and they were involved. what was great was, you know, um, you know, lots of the people were saying to me, oh, you know, it's it's been great for them to be able to go to the theatre a lot with, with you know, the child or the grandchild mm. or whatever and you know then have and then have to sort of talk about it a bit together so that they were ready to come to the panel so you know it's, it's been great it's the first year of it so um uh, we'll be continuing with that now of course we have the the technical awards we have sound design and uh, lighting design and uh, which is difficult if you're not an expert i think really to 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 see how much that changes and affects a piece of work but i did want to just touch on set design because Rosmer's home is 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 in that, as is Anne Juliet, Mary Poppins, and Uncle Vanya. Something happened at the end of Rosmer's home that was one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen on a stage, really. And it was what it symbolised that was so extraordinary. Um, so and for that reason, I'm going to say I hope it wins. But then yeah. that's you know, that's I, I mean, nice. it's interesting. Ray Smith, you know, she's nominated for both Rosmer's home and Uncle Vanya, both of which have you know sensational mm. sets for these real classic plays if you like and because it was something that happened with the set that made you realize what had happened in the play and i'm not ever yes i'm not sure i've seen that before no i mean it you know you very rarely see it once again because back it to tells new, you about the event back to a new take on ibsen or chekhov or mm. these very classic plays you often see it done in a very classic way with a sort of box set and everything and you know these are designers and and creatives trying to think about a new way through it and it's you know fantastic and but you know you've got that kind of new alternative take on a classic play but then you've got you know the most extraordinary sets in something like Mary Poppins which Bob Crowley's nominated for with these kind of picture book sets which kind of literally open up like a picture book opens up and then suddenly uh, there's the darling's house you know so once again, it's so hard to pick between some yeah. of these. I mean, now what they can do because they've got the technology and they've got... And Dan Juliet, you know, which is like this then, distressed kind yeah. of, it's brilliant, you know, with neon and it's it's another it's, fantastic, you know. Um, let's go back to the performers now. So we've got the best actor in a supporting role, uh, Death of a Salesman, All My Sons, Leopold Start, which I'm about to see but haven't seen yet, and A Very Expensive Poison. So uh, what's your pick out of those ones? Well, once again, how, how difficult, you know, um, to pick. Um, you know, Leopoldstadt is this kind of 40 people, adults and children. In a way, there's no one central character, but I guess Adrian Scarborough is maybe what you might call one of the mm. anchors in, in it. Um, you know, he's won Olivier's before, uh, now hugely acclaimed on television. Reese Shearsmith, we all know from his extraordinary roles all over, and, you know, a very expensive poison, you know, 
at taking a very difficult subject about those, you know, Russian poisonings mm. in Salisbury and putting it on stage. Uh, Colin Morgan, uh, people know from all sorts of things on telly. Most, most, I guess, from playing Merlin for many years on that Saturday evening uh, mm. BBC BBC One show. Um, uh, but doing a very, you know, classic role at the Old Vic and Arinze Kenny, you know, who really is uh, one of the great talents coming through in in theatre at the moment and uh, in Death of a Salesman at the Young Vic. He's just been announced, of course, uh, to be play the lead in the new Bob Marley musical, which will open uh, in the spring of 2021. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll open the completely refurbished Lyric Theatre here in the West End. Uh, so, you know, once again another person who straddles both musicals and these straight mm-hmm. roles. Fantastic to see. Well, as people do, because uh, in the in the actress in a supporting role, we get one of the, the nominees is, is Josie Walker, who, of course, yeah. played the mother in the original production of Jamie. And was nominated and for, for that. And yeah, was nominated absolutely. for that. Yeah. She's now nominated for The Ocean at the End of the Lane from the yeah. National Theatre. Fantastic. Um, also in, about to have a new life. It's coming into the West End later in the year as well. You know, this was a production everyone adored who saw it. Um, and that's going to have a future life. I think it's the Duke of York's uh, mm-hmm. in the autumn. Um, Sophie Thompson for Present Laughter. Yep, another great Emma sister. comedian, comedian, mm-hmm. uh, stroke actress. Brilliant. And she makes me laugh, I have to say. She yes. only has to walk into the room and she makes me I laugh. I know, she's so. got funny bones, hasn't she? She's got funny I, bones, yes. yeah. And then we've got, is that... Indira Varma as mm-hmm. well, who's um, yeah from Present Laughter as well, played one of his wives. And, uh, and then Michelle Austin, uh, who was the, you know, the, I suppose the female lead, although counted as a supporting role in Serrano mm. with uh, James McAvoy. You know, once again, four extraordinary actresses in four extraordinary performances. Mm-hmm. Who knows? That one's a stab in the dark. You could throw a dart at a dartboard to guess which was going you to really win that, could. I and think. The sa- and the same in the leading roles in mm-hmm. plays, I think. Oh, shall we do them now then? Actresses. Shall we go to leading roles? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know... Yeah, these these are all so hard to choose. I mean, how do you choose between Toby James, James McAvoy, Wendell Pierce, and Andrew Scott? How do you separate them out? I, I but, don't. I don't know. I'm glad I don't have to vote and and make that yeah. choice. Let's hear from Wendell. This is this is um, talking about Death of a Salesman and how he feels every night before the show. I feel that now, before the play, more than anything, this this heavy load is where Willie is at the beginning of the play. Um, he is uh, he is tired. He is frustrated. He is desperate. Uh, he is lonely. Um, he has uh, the, the depths of insecurity and self doubt and all of that. Um, and it's before the play that I look out and I feel that I have to climb Mount Everest and I feel the weight of the role then. By the end of the course of the evening, strangely enough, I am. I'm imbued with so much joy of, from satisfaction from completing a mission of such great depth and challenge that uh, I'm energized. That was Wendell Pierce talking about how he feels um, in the dressing room of uh, Death of a Salesman at the uh, Piccadilly where I, where I met him. But as I say, in a category which is just so difficult to pick. I so mean, strong, so strong. And, you know... I, I, I often say this, you know, when I talk about theatre with politicians and talk about other things, you know, how extraordinary to see um, these four actors who could spend their entire life making major movies around the world, but 
all of whom constantly choose to come back to the stage. Mm. Wendell Pierce, of course, American, so but goes back to do the stage in America, his first big role mm-hmm. here. But, you know, all four are, are actors that could just spend all their time doing telly and, and film, but they all keep coming back mm. to doing these roles on stage. So, you know, thank goodness for them, thank goodness for all these people who do this um, and who love yeah. the theatre so much. I suppose it might come down to that thing, because Andrew Scott, you said, was in- incredibly funny in Present Laughter. Um, James McAvoy, very amusing in Serrano de Bergerac. And Toby Jones, I didn't see the Uncle Vanya, but I presume that's not a hilariously funny performance. And neither is Wendell Pierce. No, so and, are we going to reward the heavy actor? Or well, are we Cyrano, going to... Cyrano is both, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, um, And yes, Present Laughter, Andrew had, the, you know, Andrew and the director Matthew Watchers had this very kind of comic take on it. Um, but, you know, he's a, you know, Gary Essendine in it, you know, the lead role is, is a tragic man, the mm-hmm. tragic character. Uh, and you absolutely saw that played out in Andrew Scott's performance. Yes, there was huge laughter, uh, but, you know, he absolutely found the heart of that person and, you know, the, mm. the actual tragedy within him. Um, I I don't know. Uh, you know, these are, these are extraordinary actors. Mm. Well, and there are extraordinary stage. actresses too. There are. In, that, in, the, in the category of best actress. I don't know actress. how you choose this either. So. <laughs> no, neither do I, because we've got Hayley Atwell from Rosmus Home, Sharon D. Clark, and we've talked about um, her in Death of a Salesman. In fact, here she is. This is her talking about the character in, that she plays in Death of a Salesman. Well, she's That's... dealing with three immature men. Yes. And, you know, sometimes, and I've, I've seen Death of a Salesman before, and also the fact that Arthur Miller didn't really write strong women. Um, I wanted to make sure that she was strong. I didn't want her to be weak and flimmy-flammy and sort of like running around after these boys. I wanted her to be the strength because there isn't much in the family at the moment because the guys are all over the place. I love the fact, again, that it was two women looking at this, um, two women coming from different aspects as well, and... um, just as a very strong female creative team. You know, our lighting, our sound, our designer are all female. So that was a great catch in itself, do you know what I mean? To to work with strong women. I don't think we get enough of that in this business. And yeah, I really wanted to mm. be part of that. That was Sharon D. Clark, nominated for Best Actress in a Play. Also nominated are Juliet Stevenson and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge for coming back to do Fleabag. And there she is, not only nominated for the play, but also nominated individually as Best Actress in a Play. Her first nomination for the Olivier's as well. So uh, whereas, you know, Hayley Atwell, Sharon D. Clark, and Juliette Stevenson have either been nominated or won before, Phoebe's the, I guess, the newcomer in this category. Um, not a newcomer in life in, in, the, in the sense of theatre or television. First but a onto newcomer. the scene. The last two years for her must have been the most... Mind-blowing change Mind for blowing. her. And, you know, there she is, you know, being part of the script writing team on the new Bond film mm-hmm. as well, you know. Um, you know, She's got some new deal with Amazon worth millions, I think. Yeah, you know, but, um, but how, you know, you know, it's not that many years ago we were talking about, you know, female writers and were they being recognised mm-hmm. and were they coming through? And, you know, that's great to see, I think, you know, someone like that conquering the world. Uh, you know, mm. on behalf of the UK as well, it's great. And uh, and and strong women there, but also uh, two strong women in the best director category. In that the, they've they've formed a sort of partnership, haven't they? Miranda mm. Cromwell and, and Marianne Elliott, of course, who who um, directed Company yeah. last year, um, really making a name for herself. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, opening Company on Broadway at the moment, uh, Death of a Salesman, huge hit um, here. Uh, and a huge hit in the West End after being at the Young Vic. Um, you know, once again, um, she, she's, a, she's a director 
riding absolutely high mm-hmm. uh, for the, absolutely the right reasons. As extraordinary. is Jamie Lloyd, because he's, he's as you say, as we making said, new creations. Of, take, yeah. And then Trevor Nunn, the classic Trevor Nunn for Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, his first nomination for quite some years, though, actually. Is interestingly, it? although, of course, mm. Trevor had a career over decades, you know, including uh, running the National Theatre. But, you know, he, did, it, this, he was a fantastic take on Fiddler on the Roof, you know, a musical that can sometimes feel quite long and... Uh, you know, quite hard. It was extraordinary, you know, and t- finding that intimacy within it, uh, I thought it was extraordinary. It was a take mm. I hadn't seen on it before. Um, and then Ian Rickson for Uncle Vanya. Yeah, Ian, who's, who's I guess, become incredibly well-known for taking these classics and, and finding a new way into them. Uh, lovely to see him nominated as well. Oh, again, a difficult category to judge, I would suggest. Mm, as will be Best New Play, because now uh, Leopold Stark, which hasn't been open that long, no. the new Tom Stoppard, yeah, the new Tom Stoppard, um, yep. has is already nominated. Absolutely, yeah, along with uh, the Doctor, which was at the Ormida, although open shortly uh, in the West End. We've talked about the Ocean at the End of the Lane uh, from the National, and then that that play about the Salisbury poisoning is a very expensive poison. You know, four four amazing kind of new plays, if you like. Um, wonderful to see. Now, the other categories that will be uh, that we should be talking about are um, opera. Um, there's an, an outstanding achievement in opera award. Um, is that like a lifetime, or is that a no? It's no, not it's a sort lifetime of a way award. Of, um, it's it's a, a way of looking at all those new opera productions and going, you know, what was truly extraordinary about them, and how can we recognise different elements rather than just the production themselves? So you'll see, um, you know, there's an extraordinary scheme at the Royal Opera House called the the Yetta Parker. Uh, young artists, um, which is a scheme to bring on new young opera performers and bring them into the company, and they play uh, a role as a collective often. And so they wanted to, the panel wanted to recognise them for their particularly extraordinary performances across three different operas this year at the Opera House. Um, lovely to see, um, you know, the English National Opera very much, you know, expanding beyond their base at the London Coliseum. And one of the shows they did was at Noah's Flood. Uh, at the Theatre Royal Stratford East in a co-production there and had a, had an ensemble of kind of 100 children a night. I think there were two groups of 100, so 200 children, and that children's ensemble is uh, are nominated for their performance. Oh, are they all coming? I, do, I don't believe all, all 200 100, are coming. 200 children? No, I don't believe they're all That's... coming. Uh, <laughs> are they and, performing? They're not no. performing, no, I'm afraid not. And um, and then, you know, the, uh, two of the great conductors from the ENO for conducting Mask of Orpheus... Um, of the ENO did this kind of extraordinary season of several takes on Orpheus and Eurydice uh, and one of them, these two, uh, Martin Brabins and James Henshaw, uh, nominated for their conducting of one of those new pieces called The Mask of Orpheus. Well, we're in for a very exciting evening. I, th- I will be chewing my fingernails. Yes, I at, think we are. Yeah. We are. Although, to be fair, because I kind of like everyone in all of them, so I won't be upset. As you say, I don't think anyone will... I won't be upset about anybody winning, thinking they should have won. No, indeed. Because... And, and of course, you know, only last week we, we uh, you and I were both lucky enough to be at the nominees celebration uh, at the Mayfair Hotel. And what's so lovely about that, isn't it, and that you felt that in the room, is the sense of everyone's sort of a winner on that day. There's no yeah. winners and losers then. They're all celebrating as a group of nominees. It's who... the best time for awards things, the time between being nominated and yeah. the actual award. It's sort of... Because you're a winner until you've it's, lost it. It's genuinely sort of my favourite moment <laughs> yeah. of, the, of the whole process, is that gathering of bringing everyone together and the, the talent in the mm. room that's all just kind of celebrating a great year of theatre together. And in fact, we're going to be hearing from some of them in next week's podcast. So that will be fun. Um, Julian, thank you again thank you. so much. 
thank you for listening to the Olivier Award podcast, the official podcast of the Olivier Awards with MasterCard. As I said at the beginning, due to the recent government advice, the Olivier Awards has been cancelled, but the Society of London Theatre are currently trying to find a way to properly honour and announce this year's winners. We still want to honour the nominees. And we did actually get to speak to several of them at the nominations lunch. So you can hear those interviews next time on the Olivier Awards podcast. Mm-hmm.